0: Thanks, James. Good morning, guys. Love that last song, it's one of my favorites. And we're gonna take some more time at the end of the service today to uh, sing a a few more worship songs and do communion together. So I wanna jump on the word. If you got your Bible open to John chapter six, we'll get there in just a bit. I'm gonna ask the ushers to come and uh, take our offering right now. And uh, we say this all the time. Guys, if you're a guest today, uh, if you're a visitor today, please don't feel obligated to give. Uh, We encourage those who are part of our church to give to support what Jesus is doing here. And while they're passing the buckets, let me just take a moment to celebrate what God has done and I'm uh, very uh, pleased and excited to tell you that if you look in the bulletin, you'll see in the flap part, the connection tear-off part, that uh, 2016 we finished in the black, which is a good thing. I'm always excited we finish in the black. So thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, I think we finished about $9,000. So since we have about a million dollar budget, that's 1% in the black, but I'll take it. So that's awesome. But the other thing that's very cool that I'm extremely pleased with and grateful for is that we raised over $90,000 uh, this past year, to do a, a bunch of projects around here to improve uh, the quality of our home and our, our, our systems. Uh, if you get kids in Adventureland, we know we did some major improvements over there. Uh, we have made some uh, significant tech improvements in the auditorium to our equipment. By the way, part of the reason for that was, uh, we hope, Lord willing, the creek don't rise, as I used to say as a kid. Um, uh, first Sunday in February, we're gonna go uh, live streaming our services. And that is not so that you can stay home. Uh, that is so that if you can't make it, you're sick or, or uh, you're out of town. We have people from all over the country, in fact, all over the world that watch our recordings. And it's just one of the things that we're trying to do. It's, it's very minimal. Uh, it costs monthly to do it, but it took some improvements to our equipment. So thank you for that. And then again, um, I'm sure most of you have been around here, you know that we made a significant improvement on the east side of our lobby from our information booth all the way over. Uh, we did some things, and, and the family room is one of them. Uh, the nursing the mother's room is another one. We did the family room, by the way, to really provide a place for you, uh, young families or, or, or moms or dads with kids who for whatever reason don't wanna go to Adventureland, can't go to Adventureland, not ready to go to Adventureland. Our kids ministry at Adventureland is phenomenal. It's amazing on Sunday mornings that we provide this for, you know, from birth through uh, you know, fifth grade. But um, we get the fact that sometimes you're new or your kids are uncomfortable or maybe you just like doing church as a family that it's, uh, that it's uh, not unusual for you to want to have your kids with you. If that's the case, what we've asked you to do is we provided the family room. Uh, it's there. Uh, it's got a big screen TV, comfortable seats. It's got play toys and a kid's table and a changing table. We did everything we could to make that a place for you to uh, watch the service. And a couple people asked the service said, well, I like to enjoy live worship. That's cool. Be a part of our live worship. And when we take the offering, which usually happens right about now, just get up when there's movement anyhow. And if you wouldn't mind, I get that. You love being in here, Uh, and I want you to understand my heart. I love kids, love kids. i got eight grandchildren. I love babies. I'm a kid fanatic, but guys, a lot of people get distracted, or they're disturbed, or uh, there's the ADHD people like me, Uh, they they can't quite handle having children in a service, so we do our best to remove distractions from our service. We have people every week, three, four, five, sometimes as many as 10 people make a decision to follow Jesus here at East Point. And our goal is to remove distractions, to remove anything we can that might get in the way of them hearing about the good news, the gospel, and making a decision to follow Jesus. So we provide that, nursing mother's room there, family room there, so that you can enjoy that, and especially during the teaching part of the service. Well, we're going to start uh, tomorrow, actually. I'm very excited today as we've raised enough money to begin the west side of the lobby remodel. And in fact, if some of you young, strong, able bodied guys or gals want to help us afterwards, we've got to take all the coffee stuff, the chairs, move them into the back here because we'll begin the remodel of that west end, which is going to be really cool, really nice, create a nice uh, environment for, for people, anybody like coffee here? Uh, a place for people to hang out, and we want this to be an inviting place for people to do all sorts of things. And you may not know this, but this building's used a lot. A Spanish church meets here every Sunday afternoon, they meet here on Friday nights. We've got uh, uh, Boy Scouts that are here, there's uh, the AA, there's so many things that happen in this facility, and we, we just wanted to make it even more inviting, and thank you for being a part of that. Really do honor your gift and your, your sacrifice. Well, at the head turn to John six, we'll get there in just a, si- a second. Uh, let me tell you a story. My oldest daughter, Jessica, when she was in fourth grade, so what is that, eight or nine years of age, uh, her small group leader uh, decided to take uh, her girls to an adult prayer meeting. Now, I don't remember exactly why she wanted to do that. Maybe just ex- you know, give them some exposure to an adult prayer group, I'm not sure why. But uh, Jill was her name, and she took uh, the girls in her small group, which included my daughter, Jessica, to this adult prayer meeting. And while they're there, um, my daughter Jessica, again, keep in mind she's fourth grade, eight or nine years old, she felt like Jesus wanted her to sing over one of the guys that was in the room. Now, it may sound a little strange, but Kent was a friend of ours, somebody that I personally knew, somebody she knew, uh, loved him, he was a close friend of our family. And Kent was going through a real struggle, had lost his job, was on the brink of bankruptcy, really struggling uh, in all the ways you would when you were in that kind of situation. And my daughter sang this song called Jesus is a Gentleman. I don't even remember the song, but I remember the name of it because it was kind of different. But she sang that over Kent. And Kent told me, I wasn't there. Kent told me afterwards it was one of the most powerful things he'd ever experienced. He said, while your daughter is singing over me, it's like the Lord took me on this guided tour of my heart and began to show me these rooms that I closed off to him and these things that I had refused to let go to him. And God profoundly changed my friend Kent through an eight-year-old singing a song. The point is through the voice of a child who merely sang a simple song God spoke to and changed a person in an amazing way. And here's the big idea, it's so the backside of the bulletin and the outline if you wanna follow along today. The big idea, God loves to take the small and the little that we have to bless and to serve others. God loves, absolutely loves to take the small, the young, the little, those who think they have nothing, the inexperienced, he loves to take those that are complete, they've disqualified themselves for whatever reason, God says no, I wanna take those people, those gifts, and bless and serve others with them. We're part three, of our series today, called Life on Mission. And the first week, we talked about loving God, which is our first and foremost purpose, always has been, always will be. Last week, I talked about connecting to others and how important it is that we are vitally and meaningfully connected to others in the body of Christ. Today, we're gonna to talk about serving selflessly and how God wants you, you, to use your gifts, your skills, your abilities for the benefit of others, to bless others. Even those of you who think, I ain't got nothing, or it's just a little thing, God says, nope, that's what I wanna do, is use that in you. John six, let's take up verse one, John six, verse one. Sometime after this, the after this refers to Jesus had just gotten in trouble with the religious, the Pharisees, because he'd healed a man on the Sabbath and, and they weren't happy, and so after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. Verse four says, the Jewish Passover feast was near. I think that's significant that that John identifies that the Jewish Passover feast is near because it helps us understand and explain why there's so many people wandering around. For the Jews, they would go every year to Jerusalem as best as they could. As a family, they would travel. And so there are a lot of people. Say, Why aren't they all working? Well, they're out on the road, on their way to Jerusalem, and then they hear about Jesus, and they know that this guy performed many miracles, and so they begin to follow him. Let's read on, verse five. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, now Philip's one of the 12, one of his disciples, hey, Phil, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Verse six, Jesus asked this only to test him. Ever been tested by God? Did you know God tests us? He does. Old New Testament, you find many examples where God will test you. Why, to reveal what's in your heart, to reveal your faith, to reveal areas of growth, opportunities for growth in your life. But he asked this only to test Philip, for he already had, Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus knew. Jesus sees the crowds, has compassion on them. He turns to Phil and he says, where's the nearest Safeway, dude? We gotta buy some food. But what's really going on here is that Jesus was testing Philip's face. Faith, Let's read on verse seven. Philip answered, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. It's basically Philip's way of saying, you gotta be kidding me, Jesus. We ain't got it, there's no way this is gonna happen. Verse eight, I love this. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And you can almost kind of feel it coming. Uh, but how far is that really gonna go among so many? I'm uh, sorry. Uh, Andrew uh, you know, and Philip came from the same city. So they were probably friends, they at least knew each other. And you gotta imagine how you know, Philip must have felt. He is just making this very profound point. Jesus, you're being ridiculous. We don't have the money. And then his buddy, Andrew, to step in and save the day or to try, perhaps sensing Philip's frustration, he grabs some kids' lunch. He said, well, we got this, will that help? I can only imagine the look on Philip's face. I can only imagine the look on the rest of the disciples' faces. And I, I, I imagine what was on Jesus' face and I imagine a smile. I think Jesus is smiling, really do. It's like, <laughs> you guys kill me, this is gonna be so good. Jesus knew what he was gonna do. let read on verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down, have them sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Let me pause there again. That number is significant because, again, if there are 5,000 men, most estimate somewhere between eight and 15,000 people are in this crowd, why? Because again, as families, they were going to the holy f- to celebrate this, this festival. They were together, so it's men, women, children. It, it's not just five thousand people. It could have been easily eight to fifteen thousand. But Jesus took then the loaves, he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated. I love this as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish, and when they had, had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, "Gather the pieces that are left over. Let." nothing be wasted. We'll come back to that. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I love this story because it so clearly teaches us some very important lessons in what I like to call the lessons of the loaves and the sardines. A couple of things I want you to see today. Here's the first one. Number one, God always has a plan and it includes you. Listen, God always has a plan and it includes you. Verse six, he asked this only to test Philip. Philip, what are we gonna do for these people? For he already, Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. I don't think I need to belabor the point here, but I wish it was something that I didn't forget so often. That Jesus has a plan. Jesus knew exactly what he was gonna do to feed the masses. He had a plan, he always has a plan. There's so many times in my life where I'm confused and perplexed and clueless. And I I have no idea, how many times have you faced something and go, what is going on? Why is this happening? I don't understand this. And we're clueless about the circumstances that surround our lives. Often I find myself in that very place and if I would just remember, Jesus knows. He's got a plan. He knows what's coming. He knows what's needed and he knows how to get us through that. He knows how to get us exactly where we need to be. And here's what's even more amazing. God's plan includes you and it includes me. Not only does he have a plan, but his plan includes you. I love what Rick Warren says in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He said, we are not saved by service, but we are saved for service. Put another way, we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works, for service. In God's kingdom, we have a place, a purpose, a role, and a function to fulfill. We means thee, you, all of us. We have a function to fulfill. God has a ministry for us in his body and a mission for us in his world. God has, I'll make it personal, God has a ministry for you for you in the community of faith, in his body, and a mission for you in the world. God's plan includes people. He doesn't have to use us, he could choose otherwise, but he chose to use us. He chose to work in and through us, in and through you. By the way, Jesus said that those who are great in the kingdom of God are those who serve selflessly. Those who really wanna be great are those who are gonna lay their lives down. Matthew 20, I'm gonna read verse 26 to 28. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, you wanna be great? You wanna be amazing in the kingdom of God? You wanna be honored by the Father? Then serve just like I am. I'm, I am Jesus said, I'm the Son of, of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. I'm the, 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 the one that you've been looking for for millennia, I'm the one. And yet God sent me not to be served, but to serve and in fact to give my life as a ransom for many. Listen to me, love is never seen better through us than when we find a need and meet it in Jesus' name. Love is never seen, we talked about loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Loving God with everything we are. We talked last week about connecting to others and loving people, we love God, we love people. Listen carefully. The reason why it's our third purpose on the wall and our third purpose in our hearts is because love is never seen better through us than when we find a need and meet it in Jesus' name. It's so easy for us to focus on our needs, on what we want. But Jesus said, not even the Son of Man came to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I was uh, on the way down to the building this morning. It was uh, quite icy. I'm drifting everywhere. Uh, not having a lot of fun. So I'm a little tense because it was very slippery early this morning. You guys were smart to come to the 11 o'clock because it was ugly out there. Beautiful sunrise. Anybody see the sunrise? It was amazing. It was gorgeous. So I, I saw that and I think that's cool and then I got on the road and I'm driving. I mean, you know, and people don't slow down and I'm, I'm literally sliding everywhere and then I gotta stop and get my coffee at my third favorite place on the planet. Guess what that is? Starbucks. So you know, my first favorite place is home, second is here, and third is Starbucks. So I pull into Starbucks, somebody just cut me off to get in before me, but there's already a minivan at the order, you know, speaker thing, and then there's somebody who cut me off in front of me, and then I'm the third one in line. And I'm waiting there, and I'm waiting there, and I'm waiting there, and this lady in the minivan at the very front, if it happened to be you, I forgive you, but she's up front. And, and I'm thinking, what is she doing? She's ordering the planet, she does not know what she's doing. There, you know, I couldn't believe it, I was really, really frustrated, can you tell? So I finally get up, I get my coffee, Ashley's there. Ashley, I know her, I go to that Starbucks all the time. I said, Ashley, what is, blazing what's going on with that lady, how many things did she order? He said, she said, 13. I said, that's just stupid. I mean, how lazy, that's just, you broke the unspoken rule of drive through. You don't order 13 things in a drive-thru, I'm going on. And she knows I'm a pastor, isn't that awesome? So Ashley's like. <laughs> so I, I vented my frustration on Ashley. I couldn't believe it. I, I watched this lady get a bag of food. For, I'm literally, she had like nine of the things with s- sausage sandwiches. I hope she chokes on them. I mean, I was, I'm, that's, that's what's going on in my heart. I, wait, I'm getting to the, the best part of the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching all this. I'm frustrated. I'm venting on Ashley. And I got my coffee and I'm finally thinking, great. I'm, I finally have my Java. And then I, I'm not even out of the parking lot. And God says, way to be a servant. Really, God, <laughs> busted! Way to be served. Because who was I worried about at that moment? Me. Jesus said, "I didn't come to be served. It wasn't about me. I came to give my life as a ransom for many." I got busted, and I'm good. I'm, I'm glad God keeps me on a short leash sometimes because I need to remember it's not about me. But I do need to know this: that God does want to work through me, and He wants to work through you. His plan includes you. You and I are destined to fulfill the great plan of God. We have, I use the D word around here all the time. You have a destiny. And to do any less than to, to serve, to, to, to seize that destiny, is to miss the opportunity, you have to live life on mission. This whole series about living life on mission. And if you don't understand your need to love God, your need to love people, and your need to serve, to give away what God has given to you, then you're not gonna live the life on mission that he has for you. Ephesians 2.10. Paul writes that we are God's workmanship, we're his masterpiece, we're his work of art, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for, the, for us. I love that verse, Ephesians 2.10, write it down. We are called, we are, God says from the beginning, I had a plan for you, and it is a good plan, it's something, I'm gonna use you, and before you took your first breath, God planned good works for you to do, and it's part of his master plan, you are God's masterpiece. If your life seems mundane and boring and meaningless, if your life is is far from what I've been describing, that I want to suggest to you today that you have somehow missed God's plan and purpose for you, and it's time to change. It's time to grow. It's time to step up. Because God's plan for your life is anything but dull and dreary, but it involves you. And one very important word, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, I offer the little that I have the first service. She normally sits right down front, but she was back a little bit further because she had some guests with her today. But Tracy Fisher's been a part of our church for a long time. I completely embarrassed her. I mean, I just, she wanted to crawl in her chair and die. But I was bragging on her because Tracy's been around here for a long time. She uh, works very, very full time for bank Uh, In fact, for a while, she's got a different job now, but she used to travel all the time. She's been involved working with Epic, our youth ministry involved in Adventureland. And for like 10, 11 years, she has been, led the charge really, and been very involved in our uh, Guatemala missions team, our ministry to Guatemala. I went last summer with Tracy, and she's an amazing woman. And my point in using her is that if you were to ask Tracy, "Uh, isn't it awesome how God has used you? She'd go, oh, I I really don't have, I'm, I'm just, there's not much. I'm just, she would, kind of take the humble discounting way, of like, yeah, it's not really, and I appreciate that about her, but I also appreciate that here's a woman who said, God, whatever I have, I'm gonna offer to you. I'm busy, I got a full time job that takes me all over the place. I travel a lot, and, I, and yet God, whatever I can, whatever I can offer to you, I will. I wanna serve you. I'm proud of her because she understands. She gets that God has a plan, and it includes her. Do you get it? God has a plan for you, and it includes you stepping to serve, to give away what he has given to you for the benefit of others and for the benefit of his kingdom. Here's the second lesson number two. You need to learn to see what Jesus sees. You need to learn to see what Jesus sees. It's been my personal experience and I've seen it in the lives of many others. That part of the reason why we miss the plan of God is because we don't see from God's perspective. We miss it because we fail to see what he sees. Philip looked at their bank account. We don't got the money, Jesus. It's not gonna work. There ain't no way it's gonna happen. Andrew looked at his ability or inability to gather the resources at hand. Well, all I have is this kid's lunch. I can you imagine the boy? Boy, you're taking my lunch, dude. You know, all, I, all I've got is this lunch. And so he, he, again, looked at his ability or inability. But Jesus looked beyond what was and saw what could be. Do you understand? Jesus looked beyond what was, and saw what could be. Everybody, all the disciples, they all saw the the thousands of people who were hungry, who needed to be fed. Only Jesus saw the answer. Jesus saw the answer. He saw a different reality. The disciples saw the reality of their circumstances. You might be looking at your life, your whatever, and see the reality of your circumstances, but Jesus saw a different reality, and that's what he does. He saw the reality of God's Limitless power of God's delight to use the little, the small, to do amazing things. The prophet Jeremiah, he understood the power of God and this reality. He wrote this in Jeremiah 32, 17. Jeremiah said, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, an outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah understood that nothing is too hard for God. He got that. He understood that reality. But sometimes, more than I want to admit, I underestimate what God can do with just a little. I do. I'd be just like Philip or Andrew. I'd be that guy saying, well, this, this is the best week we have, and it's not enough. Verse 11 again, Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks. People wonder, where do we get this prayer you know, for food? Well, here, Jesus did, he gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated, I love this, as much as they wanted. It feast as much as they wanted, and he did the same with the fish. The word took here in the original language of the New Testament, the Greek, is a great word. It doesn't mean Jesus, uh, just he thought about. Well, okay, if that's the best you got, five loaves and a couple fish, I don't know. No, it means he immediately, it's a strong word, means he immediately took, he did not hesitate. He took the offering of that boy, why? Because he saw what could happen. Jesus knew it was enough. Jesus understood what could happen here by the power of God. From everyone else's perspective, the five loaves and the two fish weren't enough. And I'm gonna be real honest, I'm gonna lean in on you guys a little bit. Some of you have discounted, disqualified, rationalized yourself out of service because well, I don't have, I can't, I'm, and it's all about I, I, what I don't have, what you can't do. Jesus looked at what was there and said, I can use that. You see, from everyone's perspective, it wasn't enough, but Jesus said, nope, it's perfect. By the way, the barley loaves that are mentioned here were not the the, the best bread on the planet. There was no way, it was like, it was not Dave's killer 21 grain bread, which is my favorite, not even close. Barley bread was in fact the bread of the poor. It was dry, crusty, not very exciting bread at all. And the two fish that are mentioned here, we're not talking Copper River salmon. We're talking probably something along the lines of sardines, a lot closer. I've eaten fish out of the Sea of Tiberias, out of the Sea of Galilee, and there's more bone than there is fish. And so the fact that this little boy has two small fish and five crusty loaves of bread, everybody said, not enough, not gonna work. Jesus said, it's perfect, give it to me, give it to me. And the point here is no matter how small or meager the supply, God will take whatever we offer to him and use it for his kingdom. He just says, give it to me, put it in my hands. There's a guy in our church in Portland about 20 years ago, same with Steve. First time I met Steve, uh, i i I was not that impressed I, it sounds kind of harsh i'm sorry I think i've grown a little bit but but I, it's like I just looked at and thought, man, he did really long hair and he looked kind of scraggly and, and he had a, this really goofy laugh and then I found out that uh, he was a high school dropout and, and he'd sorted packages for a living in a midnight shift and I, and I just i wasn't that impressed at first, but then I got to know Steve and I got to see Steve and I got to see him with, with the gifts that God had given him and what God used him to do in so many amazing ways. This guy was an evangelism machine. He literally had the gift of evangelism. Everywhere he went, he kept leading people to Jesus. It's just one of those guys that he literally was the gift of evangelism. He lead people to Jesus at, at the job. At the at the coffee place, he'd go downtown. And I found out I started doing this, and I said, "Dude, can I come hang out with you?" Yeah, sure, Pastor Kurt. I go downtown. We walk around with this guy, it's, you know, evenings or weekends. And I did this many, many times with him. And I'd watch him, and not just with homeless guys who, you know, were desperate. I mean, with business people in three-piece suits. He'd stop them, and, and they would immediately engage in conversation. That's a gift. And they they just start talking. to Steve, and, and, and next thing I know, Steve is leading this guy or this gal to Jesus right there on the street. I can't tell you. I mean, dozens of times I watched this happen. He kept bringing people to church. Hey, Pastor Greer, here's my new brother in Jesus. Hey, Pastor Greer, here's my new sister in Jesus. The guy I looked at and quite frankly thought, loser. Jesus said, oh, man, watch what I'm going to do with the least of the least. Watch what I'll do. I underestimated Steve, but God never did. That's the point. Don't you dare underestimate what God can do through the least. Let me ask you, is God limited by the little you think you have? answer is nope, not at all. And do you understand that he actually delights? I wish I could come up with a stronger word. God delights in using the least and the weak and the insignificant and the little. He delights in demonstrating his power. In fact, his power is best demonstrated when you and I are at our least. And I could give you dozens, without even thinking about it, dozens of stories from the Old and New Testament where God proved this reality. He loves to use the least. Judges six, Gideon. The least of the least of the least of the least. God says, yep, you're my guy. You're going to lead my people to, 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 you're going to win war. You're a mighty warrior. You're going to lead my people to freedom. All the way to the New Testament, Mary, this teenage girl who was nobody from nowhere. And God says, you're the one I'm going to choose to be the mother of the Messiah. On and on, over and over throughout the Old and New Testament, we see this demonstrated again and again and again. God delights. Listen to me. He delights in using the the least of the least. And we need to start seeing things the way God does. We need to start seeing from his perspective. I love the end of the story. Jesus told the disciples, okay, grab some doggy bags and go collect the leftovers. And the point here is that whether we have been blessed with a little or perhaps a few blessed with a lot, it's imperative that we use whatever we have for the kingdom of God to give it away and that we not waste any of it. In fact, it's the last bullet in your outline. Don't waste what God has given to you. Not only does God have a plan and include you, not only does God delight in in using the least least and we need to see through his perspective, but don't ever waste what God has given to you. We've all been given something. We've all been given gifts, talents, natural and supernatural abilities. We all have. And our responsibility is to invest those gifts and talents into the kingdom of God. Your responsibility is to say, yes, Lord, here it is. Here's what I have. Such as it is, here is what I have, and I surrender it to you, I use it for you to bless the kingdom and to bless others. We get into this trap of comparison sometimes. You know, one of the things I realized years ago, and I'm good with this, that I'm never gonna be an Andy Stanley or Rick Warren, I'm never gonna be Billy Graham, I'm never gonna be, you know, a best-selling author. My wife is an amazing woman, she said the first service, and she's kind and generous, cares for people more than you can imagine, but she's never gonna be a Mother Teresa and well-known throughout the world. But listen, that's okay. It's not about comparison or one-upmanship. It's about obedience and faithfulness. Write it down. What's this come down to? It's about you saying yes, obedience and faithfulness. It's about using what God has given to you to serve God and to serve others in his name. That's it. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 4.10. Each one of us should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Man, there's a lot in this one verse. Each One of us, each of us, that's all of us, should use whatever gift we have received. You have received a gift. To do what? To serve others. And what's the key here? Faithfully administering, faithfully managing God's grace in all its variety. God loves variety. And just the fact that he uses me in one way and you in another or somebody this way and somebody else that way or this guy that way or that guy, that that gal, that way, doesn't matter. It's in all its various forms. God says, just use what God has given you, faithfully administering, managing, overseeing what God has given to you. Are you ready and willing to do that? That's the question today. And what can you do to discover your God-given talents? Well, I'm gonna give you a few things. Let me just go very practical here. First, find a need and get involved. Find a need and meet it in Jesus' name. One of the ways we discover our gifts, one of the ways we discover our calling, one of the ways we discover what God has given to us is we just get off our tush and we get engaged. We get involved in the game. We find, sometimes discovery happens in the process of doing. So one of the things you can do is find a need. There's so many areas here from Iwana, Epic, our youth ministry, Adventureland, a connections team, our security team, our facility team, helping in the office. There are so many, dozens, hundreds of ways for you to step up and to get involved here at East Point. Find a need, meet it in Jesus' name. That's one of the ways you'll discover your God-given purpose. Another way, as we just did it last week, and look for the next time we take, offer EP201, which is our shape class, which, by the way, you need to take 101 first. But 201, the SHAPE class, S-H-A-P-E, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experience. We will help you discover your shape for the purpose, your God-given shape for the purpose of helping you get engaged and involved in service to him. Imagine, just imagine with me, what would happen if just 50% of our church, 50% of Christians throughout the world decided, I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna give away what God has given to me. I'm gonna get serious about my role as a servant. Can you imagine if just half of all the Christians on the planet said, I'm in. What kind of impact would we make on our world? Tragically, we pastors call it the 2080 rule, which means, unfortunately, in most churches, and this is true throughout the world, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's the 2080 rule. What would happen, guys, if we flip that? If 50%, 60%, 70%, 80% of the people said, I'm in. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had a waiting list to serve in Adventureland? That would, you're thinking, come on, that would be awesome. It's like, the response was underwhelming. You guys, I, 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 I imagine what God could do and might do through us if we would just step up. Imagine all the good that could be done here, near, and far. Are you willing to be one of those people? Albert Schweitzer once put it this way, the only really happy people are those who've learned how to serve. I believe that. The only really happy people are those who've learned how to serve. One last story, we're gonna worship some more and take communion. I know a woman, she's a wife, a mom, three kids, she uh, works as a part-time hairdresser about 25 hours a week, and she uh, spends four to six hours every week serving as a bookkeeper for her small church in, in California. She's very busy, lots of things on her plate, I mean, mom, wife, three kids, taxi service to one advent to another, working, you know, 25 hours or so a week, and then she gives, Four to six hours every week of her time to be a bookkeeper for the small church because it's a gift that God has given to her. Here's the reality. She's never gonna be Times Woman of the Year. You are never gonna know her. If I gave you a name, you'd never, you wouldn't remember it, and you're never gonna hear about her on the news. But she's great in the kingdom. In God's eyes, she's great because she has served faithfully. God is pleased with her because she gets it. The path to true greatness. The path to life on mission is a path to lifeless service for others. By hands, let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for modeling this so well for us. The King of kings, the Lord of lords came and you laid your life down. You literally died for us. You served selflessly, sacrificially, and you did so for the benefit of others. God, some of us have heard that so often that the power of that has lost its impact in our hearts today even as we take communion. Would you remind us, Lord, that you modeled a way of life for us and that if we call ourselves Christ followers, we call ourselves Christians, that we need to live the way you live and selflessly serve others even when it costs us, even if it's sacrificial, especially then, Lord, because that's what you did for us. Challenge our hearts, Lord, those that feel inept and and unprepared and ill-equipped and and are focused and have been for maybe weeks, months, years, whatever, on all their weaknesses, Lord, and all their inadequacies. Lord, today, would you just show them that you delight in using them, that you have a plan for them, and that help them begin to see, rather than the, the little, Lord, help them to see a great God who delights in using the little to do amazing things, to do the miraculous. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a minute. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. You know, every week people make a decision to say yes to Jesus and that's exactly what it is. It's a decision. You have to come to a place where you say, yes, God, I need a savior. Yes, God, I need what Jesus did for me on the cross. Yes, I believe. I believe Jesus died, I believe he rose again and I believe I need him in my life and so I surrender. It's a decision you make. Now if you're here today and you're ready to make that decision, I don't wanna miss this opportunity to give you a chance to make that reality in your life. And I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer. If this is what you want, just make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me on that cross. Thank you that you live for me now. And I surrender my life to you. I embrace the cross. I embrace your, your free gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness. I need it. I embrace it. I want it. And I, I accept what you did for me. And right now, I offer my life to you as you offered your life for me. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus. From this point forward, I'm yours. I'm your kid. I'm yours, God. I'm going to follow you from here to eternity. That's you. That's your desire. Whether you're in this room or watching online later, I just pray that right now you'd make that decision and say, yes, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. And the Bible says the moment you say yes to him, you cross the line into faith. You become a child of God forever. Lord, thank you for those making the decision. Seal in their hearts what it means to be loved now by you and to be yours. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with some worship. And um, I'm going to ask you to do something. You know, it's we're, we're 58 minutes into this. We've got seven, eight minutes left. Let's just give this time to God.
1: I know you think, well, i got to get home
0: watch the Steelers. Chill. I, I want you to... Im- embrace what's about to happen, because this could be the most powerful experience for you. Because I'm going to ask you to do two things as we take communion. Here's what we're going to do today. As we worship, we're going to move. There's eight different tables around. There's two different kinds of communion. There's the the sealed kind where you pull the the plastic off the top, the wafer there's the juice below. There's the double-stack kind where the wafers below and the grape juice is above. On the, by the love God sign against the wall over there, there's gluten-free. So we've got it all covered. But what I'm gonna ask you to do is as we worship, and you don't have to be in a rush, we've got two songs, we've got like seven, eight minutes. I want you to, as you feel ready, to move to one of the tables and to take communion right there. To take a moment to pause, and I'm gonna ask you to do two things. One, remember what Jesus did for you. Jesus said, I gave my life as a ransom for many. Remember what he did, that he gave his life for you and thank him for that. The second thing I'm gonna ask you to do is to surrender your life to him, to use it. Some of you, this will be a rededication. Some of you, it'll be a moment where you say, You know what, God? You did give your life as a ransom for many. You did serve. And right here this morning, as I take this communion, I'm rededicating my life to serve you, to give my life away just as you did. I'm going to follow you. Two things. Remember him. Rededicate your life to give your life away to serve others. Do that as we worship. I'll come back and wrap it up. Let's worship take communion together. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being a part of this. Thanks for deciding, choosing feel like God used you. Somebody asked me after the first service, well, what can I do? What do I do that? Well, you can fill out a connection card. We'll get in touch with you. you go on the website. There's a, on the banner, on our eastpointchurch.com. It's click, pick serve. Just click on that. It'll take you to the spot. Take the first step. Find a way. God will bless you. I promise you. If you need prayer today, prayer to would be down front. Uh, we've got, if you begin your life as Christ followers today, we want to walk this journey with you. We've got... A gift bag. It's got a Bible, books, material you get started. Walk with Jesus, it's on the Son the baskets on the tables as you uh, leave today. You can stop, and pick one of those up, and then I mentioned this last week, but if you weren't here, you missed it. Uh, over on the connection board, and a couple of glass jars. There's some uh, plastic metal be um, pins. Would you grab one of those and just put it on the board where you live or near your place? And the whole idea is just to show a visual that hey, we're here, we're connected, and we are covering this this uh, city and this valley and beyond with. love of Jesus. So stop and do that. I might meet some people as you do that as well. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. I was going to say go Seahawks or go Cowboys, but I guess I would go, go Steelers. I don't know. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. See you next week.